Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful. This is Arthur Staple, your Rangers reporter for The Athletic and the Rangers podcast from The Athletic. We've got Chris Flannery, our ace producer, back from uh, a week of vacation. And of course, as always, my co-host, Steve Aliquette. Steve, what's going on? Well, I'd like to get back in the mix. You, you take these <laughs> games away from us nationally, and I feel like I lost the season. What's going on here? We've they gotta, replaced you with cartoons get back to work last tomorrow. night. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> I know. That was that all about. That was bizarre, but uh, I guess try something new. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's the way ESPN operates. But yeah, as 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 we get closer to the playoffs and into the playoffs, uh, the national broadcasts tend to scoop up these Ranger games. So it just gives you more time to sit and evaluate in a, in a calmer environment. So you're ready for well, stuff Excuse like me? Today. Calmer environment? I got my kids all over me. My wife's <laughs> asking me to do stuff. I'm like, I got to watch the game. Come on. You know, me <laughs> you and be uh, ready for the show. Yeah. need to watch the game together. <laughs> so uh, they're on a 3 and one run. It doesn't feel like it because some of the games have been a little bit, um, you know, kind of, up and down, mostly down. You know, uh, I think the game in Montreal was not necessarily up to their standards. Montreal was playing free and loose, being way out of the playoffs. The Buffalo game was really um, an Igor Shesterkin game without a lot of offense, which was a bit of a surprise given the way those two teams play. Pittsburgh, um, good third period, but not uh, not overall a, a strong game. And uh, the game last night against Washington was probably the best of the four. They're about 25, first 25 minutes, the Rangers were dominant against the Caps team that was depleted without Alex Ovechkin. Caps came back and made it a game because they're the Caps and they're not that completely bereft of talent, uh, but the Rangers pulled it out. So, um, and I think the the main theme of all of this time and certainly all the time since Patrick Kane's got here is what can they do with the lines to make them look the, like the best four lines that they can find? Um, I think the lines that they had last night that they started put together, Gerard Gallant put together in the third period in Pittsburgh, which was a good period, um, and then carried through last night, which was mostly a good game, are probably the ideal lines. And you're starting to see some chemistry, at the very least, between two important guys, uh, and those would be Mika Zibanejad and Vladimir Tarasenko. And, you know, I feel like Tarasenko has been a little bit of the forgotten man because of all the Kane hype these last couple of weeks. But he was going to be the guy a month ago when they brought him in. That was the big headline Stanley Cup winner, star player, uh, you know, longtime member of a, of a successful franchise who decided to ask out and wanted to come here. So um, what are you seeing, Steve, from those two and the way that the other lines are? I think, the, you know, Kreider, Trocek, Kane, 
Kid line still together, and then an effective veteran fourth line of VC, Goodrow, and Mott. What do you like? Is there things you don't like? Do you think this is the ideal setup? I think the fourth line, starting with them, because it's the easiest. Uh, moving along here, nothing to see. They're great, terrific. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, the pressure line, to me, is is the third line, because I always want them to be playing so well, especially in the games that we see. Like you're playing against Montreal or Philadelphia, even Ottawa, Buffalo, like non-playoff teams over the last two weeks. I like to see them take those games over a little bit more because to me, when I assess the youth on that line, they should be able to like come to the rink that night and just talk to one another and say, hey, we could take this game over. This team's not as deep as some of the better teams that we're going to play down the stretch here. That's where, that's what I'm looking for anyway. And I haven't really seen enough of from all three of them at the same time, if that's fair. And as far as Zibanejad last night, so going to the first line from the third line, seeing Zibanejad last night in his interview uh, during the Caps game, I thought he was giddy in between uh, periods when he was talking to uh, the ESPN. I think it was, was it uh, Emily Kaplan? It was Emily Kaplan. He was giddy. He was absolutely giddy about talking about Tarasenko. She had asked him what it's like playing with Tarasenko, and you could tell that he's really enjoying it. So to me, uh, anytime your top player is enthusiastic and sometimes even a little bit on the giddy side, I think that's he's playing with joy. We've used that expression on the podcast this year. And I think that that's a good sign for him because he's high-stepping out there and he's doing his thing. And I think that Tarasenko is almost like a breath of fresh air for him as far as hockey intellect goes. Because he was talking about how I like to talk hockey. And I know that he's like, from what I hear anyway, he's a, he's a hockey junkie. He, he loves the game. He's into everything. The same way that we've talked about Kane in recent weeks. Like these guys are all in on hockey. They're quote-unquote like hockey nerds. But yeah. um to have Panarin be able to play with him and Tarasenko, uh, to me, is like there's a good friendship there. There's a good balance. And Mika being the most responsible defensive center, I think that helps that line. And it helps Panarin probably stay away from too much unnecessary East-West. And then Kreider, we've seen him with Trocek at different points this year. Now it's just Kane. I expect that to be a really good line. I'm not going to be surprised that this is it, Arthur. Like, Is there more change from here? I mean, this is probably a better look than what you would think Panarin would be with Kane and Trocek. And maybe this is more about, one more time, because we've said this before, maybe it's more about Panarin being in the right spot for him and for the team to get the most out of him. That's the way I look at the lines right now. What, uh, and I think we've seen this with, with Gallant, at least in his short time with the Rangers too, especially last year, with the kid line where he had them together a little bit went to some other things, and then in the playoffs said, had kind of filed it away and said, this is the line I want to see because we've got the, these extra guys after the trade deadline to slot into other spots. So so the kid line was the line that was kind of like, the, yeah, I saw some things there before and we went away from it just to experiment, and now here we are back in crunch time and that's what I want to see. I feel like even if he changes these things now because of whatever minor injury, uh, a streak of bad play or whatever, um, He's got some. He's got some video, and he's got some some metrics now to show that maybe this is the ideal alignment for these four lines right here. So I, I agree with you that maybe this is even if he goes away from it over these last fifteen, fourteen games, um, it's still something to uh, to lean on when they get back uh, to game. The game is being important. Yeah, I think that 
you, you, you have to understand that not you, but just, I think people have to understand too, like this line has built up enough credibility with the coaching staff. They can take some risk into their shifts too. They don't always have to be get it in deep uh, cycle third man high. Always. There's a little bit of, I think they've got a little bit of leeway now. They've got a little bit of cheat in their game that they can get away with. They can play with a little risk. And if, you know, Lafreniere is as confident as he is right now, still scoring and, Heedle has lost a little bit of his touch in recent weeks, but yeah. he's still getting his chances. And, you know, Kako, I'd like to see him drive last night on one of the first night uh, plays of the night. You still want to see them play their game, but I wouldn't restrict them. And I don't, I hope they don't feel restricted. It's really what I'm hoping when I watch them play right now, because they have a license to go for it. And that's what I'm talking about with the teams that are, look, non-playoff teams. Can you imagine what the matchup is like most of the time for them during that night? They should be taking huge advantage of those games. And you want them to win those battles so they have that credibility with themselves going into the playoffs. That's my hope for the third line. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we've set the lines. <laughs> they look good. They've got a couple big games coming up to kind of test them out against Pittsburgh. And it's always going to be a, a battle with Pittsburgh, even if you know the Rangers are comfortably ahead of them, eight points ahead. Um, Rangers get four points out of these two games. I think you can kind of put that um, that uh, that feeling to bed that the Rangers might slip into the wild card spot, which you know I don't think they're going to slide all the way down to wild card two, which is obviously the spot you want to avoid because that's where you run into the the Boston buzzsaw in the first round. Um, but again, it kind of gives them some license to experiment a little bit too. I wanted to talk a little bit about what you've seen from the power play. Because that, I think, is probably the biggest challenge for for Gerard Gallant and Mike Kelly is how to distribute the time between these two incredibly talented units. And I do like, and I want to compliment, and I was talking to Adam Fox about this the other day, starting whoever, whichever unit starts, putting Fox with those guys is, yeah. uh, is I think, a very, very smart move because you know he can withstand the minutes. You know he's your best distributor up there, and he's got facility with with. Either group of guys, um, I think that's a that's a smart move and a great way to start it off. No matter who which unit is out there. Um, do you know what I noticed when Pittsburgh went on the power play last night was, or excuse me, the game before last night's was that um, they had sets on their power play that you could tell they practice. Like when they when they have their five on three, they've got a net front screen and they're rolling up top, and the one timers just waiting to cock. And you get into overtime, it's the same thing, and you're you're just not there yet on the sets when I'm watching the Rangers. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit too much freelancing is, is what I'd say. And the problem with freelancing is it's very difficult to recover pucks when you're freelancing. The power play has to have outs. That's always the biggest piece to me. And right now, I don't know if they're all the way there yet. It's like they're trying to find the balance between being a net front, uh, gritty, win the net front on the power play and at the same time still having the east to west ability and like Kane's goal last night that's not something you can count on I don't know how that <laughs> even went in 
Seriously. What was that, a 74-mile-per-hour slap shot? Like, what was that? The old-school Al Iafrady huge wind-up slap <laughs> shot is, is not a way to score goals in 2023. No, no. But a little bit off-topic, though, and I want to I bring this one to the listeners. I think sometimes this guy by reputation scores, okay? Yeah. Because he's so distracting. You know it's him for a split second. You know, when you're Kemper, you look up and you're like, oh, that's Kane. And then it's by you, and you're like, what was I doing thinking about Patrick Kane right now? He's, I should have been focused on the puck. And then you know what the other thing is, too? His tape job. Have you taken a close look at his tape job? No. Okay, so he's got hockey puck. You, you can see that he's taken a puck, and he's going to cross it in an X, and then he's put lines down it. So he's got this design on his tape job. And I've always said that like the top scorers, when they have a tape job that's distracting, I used to hate that. Panarin's got a distracting tape job, too. It's one that's unique and it's different enough and his curve is odd enough that it kind of like screws you up as a goalie because you're trying to focus on the puck. And then all of a sudden you find yourself wandering off mentally and you're looking at their tape job. And it's like, you know, <laughs> did I just see a squirrel? Like what's going on here? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so uh, at any rate, that's an off topic. But to me last night when he scored, I honestly thought about that. I was like, did that just go in? Cause it's Patrick Kane. Like, is that what we're dealing with here? Because that, is not a goal if Barkley Goudreau shoots it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe anybody. anybody. Or anybody for that matter. Anybody for that <laughs> matter. But I no, I just thought, you know, I think it's just, it's that. It's um, I've always remembered the best power plays that I saw in practice were the ones that broke off and worked in sets of two. So imagine that the bumper guy is working with the low guy and they're working on where that bumper guy wants to receive it or the half wall guy working to get it to the point at the exact stride that Fox wants to receive it from Kane. Like all those, those little twosomes in the power play. I don't know if they've had enough time to really break off and do that. I I don't get the impression that they have. So that's why there's a lot of freelancing because you can imagine if you're out of step with your dance partner, things become a freelance and feel rather than a set. And there's a big difference there because you don't have a plan. And that's just where you're at in the season right now. But, I mean, on the bright side, you still have some time here, you know, until the playoffs begin. And I just think they're just working through that part of it, uh, Arthur, is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're also working through uh, a limited defensive set. Um, They are back up to six defensemen, as we discussed last week, Um, but it's not the ideal six. Ryan Lindgren is uh, not really still practicing. Uh, Gerard Gallant, I think, after practice today said still they're being very cautious. They just want to make sure, I believe, was the way that Gallant described it. So he's going to miss tomorrow's game. That'll be nine games that he's missed with this upper body injury. Um, I got into it a little bit uh, on Monday in my piece about whether – Putting Lindgren on long-term injured reserve was the right, you know, was that was it the right call to not do that and just sort of wait it out day by day with the same six defensemen? And again, the overall, the big picture part of this is that you want him to be healthy, and that's a hundred percent the most important thing here is that you need a healthy Ryan Lindgren, and they've certainly shown that they need him in their in their six-man rotation because he fits perfectly, fits with Adam Fox. We talked about. Nico Mikola doesn't really belong there with Fox. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a wild card when he's out there. He's much more suited to that third pair. Ben Harper's been okay in the third pair in a kind of limited minutes, but he's ideal as kind of the emergency fill in. Um, and the debate about LTIR with Lindgren is basically 
you know, it, it's 10 games and 24 days. So if you did it now, he'd have to miss the next three games because that's 24 days. So that's a big mm-hmm. commitment. You want to have you want to have some flexibility. So we can't really know what happened with the progression of this injury, whether they thought it was going to be a shorter timeline or whether they were willing to sort of eat it uh, with the same six guys. Obviously, the Keandre Miller uh, suspension threw, th- threw a wrench into things, and maybe that was the time to put him on LTIR so you could use that $3 million of his cap hit to bring up an extra defenseman or two. You could either bring back Libor Hayek, you could bring back Zach Jones. Those are guys that that the current Ranger defense group has some familiarity with. You could have seen what you have in Matthew Robertson, who's kind of the next guy up who hasn't been up yet, who's having a pretty strong year, according to some pro scouts that I've talked to. Um, puts a lot more options on the table, puts more bodies uh, on the table for for the coaches to use, for Gord Murphy to run through, see what you have in some of these guys that have been in the minors for most or, most or all of the year, versus waiting for Lindgren and just toughing out with the six that you've got. Um, you know, it, I won't put that GM hat on you yet. We're going to do that later with you and Chris. Didn't we do that, didn't we do that like, yeah, a week ago or two weeks ago? <laughs> we do it all the time here. We, we play pretend. <laughs> Chris Jury must love it when, when we, if someone says like, hey, I heard people were pretending to do your job on that yeah. podcast. The, guy, the, the guy I used to sit across from uh, on the plane is now telling me how to do my job. Great. Uh, <laughs> Want to talk? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, when you see this group of six and there's, you know, there's very obvious shortcomings to this group. But uh, do you still like what you see? And, you know, I, I think the biggest effect it's had, at least at five on five, is on Adam Fox, where he just doesn't okay. seem like the Norris, tro- you know, he's he he's still got great numbers and I'm sure he'll still be in the five final at the three finalists for the Norris trophy. But I don't think it's as uh, to me, I, I would but up until about, you know, maybe Feb- mid-February, he's he's my slam dunk number one. Norris Trophy winning vote for sure. And now a month later, I'm not so sure. And it's not necessarily all on him. I think yeah. he's really been thrown by Lindgren's absence and Mikola's presence with a guy that he doesn't have a lot of familiarity with, whose game doesn't really seem to mesh perfectly well with Fox. A nice way to say it, Arthur, is he lacks confidence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mikola is not your first pass, you know, get out clean guy. Yeah. And uh, look, I heard that from the St. Louis guys right away. He is blood and guts. He's going to play so hard. He's going to you know block shots and do all of those things. But he doesn't have, and this is why he's not a frontline guy, he doesn't have the hockey intellect or the skill set to be able to do the things that the top four guys do. And fine. Okay, fine. He's the number six D-man. But as you can see, and I know we've talked about this a lot this year, that depth gets ticked away quite quickly when you get into the playoffs because you can look at any past winner. They're always going eight, nine deep. And everybody will see more D than just these six during the playoffs if the Rangers go to the final. That's just the way it typically goes. The Rangers have a true number one defenseman in Fox. And I mean, true, true, at top of the ladder. And not many teams can say that in the NHL. Nine, 10, 12 teams max can say they have a true, true number one that plays Power play minutes like Fox does, PK minutes, even strength, 25 minutes, offensive the way he is, defends, defends, and things don't happen defensively against him when he's with Lindgren. So on the pieces that we've done over the years with with Fox and Lindgren, what I've been able to come to realize is that Lindgren's always the safety that Fox can step up into the neutral zone and make a play on. 
and, and do things defensively that he can do because he can rely on that as a safety valve. And Mikola just doesn't get Fox. That's just the way it is. Like he he doesn't get it. This is this is the moon to him. This is hard work for him. So it's it's just a player being out of their role. And I've certainly been in that position before. You know, we all have been miscast or or what have you. Like seriously, and there's times where like I'm not not, not no nothing nothing against this uh, setup here, but I'm not really uh, that good at playing uh, three and three. You know what I mean? Like that's not my game. I'm going back to my junior days, but you know, for what it's worth, I think it's okay to go through this now, and it's a it's a glimpse of what we're going to be seeing at some point in the playoffs, maybe. This is enough of a glimpse, Arthur, that you don't go Mikola Fox if this happens again. Yeah, that's that goes right. On. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the Turk has learned it. He's, he's filing away the good stuff from his forward lines. He's also filing this away. You, know, you, you honestly, you, you learn as much from your mistakes, don't you? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so I, I would take it that way. I don't read too much into it as a uh, long-term solution if this is the case going into game one of the playoffs. Yeah. And, I, you know, you wrestle with it. I think there's a lot of fans that have certainly responded to my story comments, whatever, say like, why didn't they put them on LTIR early and they could see what they got in it. It's a valid argument. And I think if you, if you have a guy like Lindgren that, you know, is a complete warrior guy who missed, what did he miss a week with a high ankle yeah, sprain, four fast, to six week right. in- you injury. You know, he's a fast healer. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, you, you're obviously going to be optimistic with him, even on what seems to be a pretty, a pretty, you know, multi-week serious injury that he suffered on the hit from TJ Oshie in Washington a few weeks ago. Um, so you wrestle with it. And you, th- I'm sure for, for Jury and for Gallant and for the medical staff and for the, the cap crunchers and all that stuff, it's, it's, not an, it's, not a, it's just a, it's not black and white. You don't say, okay, well, if he's going to miss this amount of time, we're going to do this. Even if you know he's coming back, say, on Saturday, still three games that he would have to sit out as a healthy guy. Um, but then on the flip side, you're not running the risk of running your regular guys, running Miller and Truba and Fox and Schneider into the ground because you're playing guys with them and in the lineup that maybe you don't necessarily want. So you know what it does too, right? Though Arthur, it tells it tells you and tells us how valuable Lindgren is that they're willing yes. to have that risk, right? That that is the other part of it is that. And we'll get into that. I'll make you put your GM hat out again. As oh, we finish you're not up making this me season. sign Lingard to a contract. I'm not talking money. Well, no, he's, that. He's this got, will be my last podcast a, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a contract, but he has no trade protection. And he's the guy. He's one of the guys that's in that. If we sign everybody, we, even from just RFAs, if we sign everybody, we might need to let somebody go if we need to add or make a trade or whatever he's kind of on that list of eligible guys to go. And I think this stretch is just another confirmation like that, the stretch of games he missed in the first round last year in the playoffs that I don't know that you can think about letting this guy go because he is a glue guy on this, on this defense. And he is, he is this, like you said, the safety net, this, the, the comfort security blanket for your most important defenseman and one of the most important defensemen in the league. So it's, uh, it's a real debate, and I'm sure it's not. Uh, it's making uh, your friend Chris Jury reach for the Pepto on a on a pretty regular basis. But uh, we'll move we'll move on to our one of our regular topics, and that's uh, the Rangers goaltending. Igor Shosturkin. You know, you have this this uh, this new category on the clear site uh, 
site uh, about goaltender quality of starts. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and how excited you were. And Igor Shosturkin was still sitting on zero stolen wins. And I thought for sure that Buffalo game was going to be a stolen one, but he didn't quite, uh, he didn't quite make the, the criteria for that in terms of expected goals, saving above expectation and the Rangers not performing up to their expectation in terms of what they generated. That's the key what they right generated there, because right? they generated yeah. so little in that game. That's, That's probably right. what killed them. Yeah. But it was considered a great game. It was a it great a, game. A great game is when your goalie saves a goal and a half more than expected, and it was yeah. a great game. It was a vintage Igor performance all the way through yep. in the shootout, and I almost kind of felt like that was great that it went to the shootout because it's just three more chances for him to show his dominance. And uh, once you get to overtime, you know, or rather they won it in overtime, but he, he was good in the shootout in Montreal. I got my, my games confused from last week, but, um, but just the well, way because that they're he, every other day for the last two <laughs> pretty, weeks. Is that why? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And even last night I thought he was, you know, he gave up three, but, uh, and I thought he was good. And, you know, I talked to him briefly after the game and he said, sometimes we lose our forwards in the slot a little bit, which is about as big a, uh, criticism as he's going to make of his team. And that's another, I think, function of changing lines and, de- and defensemen that maybe aren't in the right, you know, in the right order. Always communication. Yep. So, um, but I think he is in a headspace right now, it seems, and you can see it even in his body language when he's in the room, when he's talking, um, he seems to be in a more focused space, which is obviously hugely beneficial to him, hugely beneficial to the team. And no matter what he does uh, going forward here the rest of the season, I think he's he's got that that mindset back that I think maybe he even didn't have in the playoffs last year because he didn't know what it was like. And that, you know, he was very shaky in those first four games or so against Pittsburgh before he kind of got it together. And I think now he's he seems to be getting to that place. And I'm sure you've seen it with Hank over the years where you get into March, you get start to, you can see the finish line of the regular season. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you know what you need to do physically, mentally to prepare for what's to come. Do you know what I've seen change right now with him, Arthur, is that his feet are closer together in his stance. And that to me is more important than anything else in a goalie's game because when you get too wide, and, and we did a breakdown on MSG Networks, it was before the LA game that was at home a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we 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 did a edited segment where, and you know, just for the listeners, I edit the video in the comfort of my home, but then I send it to Joe Beans, and he's our he's our graphics designer that puts the uh, glitter on any video <laughs> breakdown. He does an amazing job. He's he's unreal. We call him the, I call him anyway, the Viz Master. He's awesome. <laughs> so the visualization that he puts together, Joe Beans is the man. And he has a measuring tool on his uh, visualization editing software where he can measure from left skate to right skate how wide Igor is in his stance. And he took some video that I had sent him from last season when Igor was at his at the height of his powers And we measured his skates being a foot and a half and sometimes two feet outside of his stance this year where he was last year. So he was two feet wider in some instances of the puck carrier coming down the ice on a rush and he was coming out and getting into his setup really wide this year. Now, the problem with getting too wide in your goalie stance is you have a tendency to go down early because you're really pressed on your inside edges and you have your knees really close together. And when a guy comes in close enough and he starts to drag the puck, 
you no longer can move right or left because you're tight in your stance and you're pressing on those inside edges of your blades. So last year where he would have been closer with his feet together and his knees released, he was able to move side to side and adjust his angle. He was faster and more explosive because he had more of that power underneath his shoulder to be able to explode across the crease. He was better on rebounds last year. Now, the, the neat thing is that I can qualify all of that within the database and you can see his numbers and then you can see where he was, where he was standing, how he was playing it, how much drift and backwards motion he had off the rush versus this year. And there's a stark difference uh, until the last couple of starts that he's had where I feel like he's got his feet back under him and he looks like himself again. And he's starting to play that higher posture in his stance because Again, when you get too wide, think about what that does to your shoulders. It brings your shoulders down a couple of inches. When you, the more you bring your feet out away from your own shoulders and your stance when you're standing up. And that's an issue. I mean, the puck is only an inch thick. Bring your feet outside <laughs> like that and you're opening up room for the puck to get over your shoulders. So there's definitely something there and he's certainly made that adjustment. And I think that that technical adjustment is really helping his mental, which is confidence. All right, now we're going to bring in Chris Flannery. Uh, Chris, uh, all tanned and rested from his time in Florida last week. Whoa. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing great. I uh, I missed you guys. Happy to be back. Aaron. <laughs> Send pictures, buddy. I want to see those tan lines. Oh, you got it. No problem. Um, and we're gonna we're we're gonna again put our GM hats on. And I know Steve is going to get upset, but this is more. I'm a coach, man. I know my lane. I stay in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna bat this one around. After we've seen uh, the the incredibly busy pre trade deadline month that Chris Drury had when he went out very early before the deadline and got Vladimir Tarasenko and got Nico Mikola, and you thought, okay, giving up a first round pick, this is the big move. Patrick Kane was disappointed, and then all of a sudden, Patrick Kane was a, was a Ranger, and if things go well, there's another first round pick you've given up. So, and it's taken a little time to to blend all of these people. Um, now, so now I'll put it to both of you and we can go around and give our, um, our hot takes on it. Uh, Chris, Steve, you're the Ranger GM. If you can look back and say, or you're just a Ranger fan, you're a Ranger observer. If you know you're getting Patrick Kane right before the deadline, are you still making that move for Vladimir Tarasenko? Do you feel like this is, you know, it can certainly work and it's clearly working Right now, they're they're both playing pretty well. The Rangers are winning games. It's not pretty, but they are winning. Um, do you think that this move for Kane was the one to make and make other adjustments, or do you like having both of these star right wings on the team? Chris, you got to go first. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I do. I think it was the right uh, to me. Tarasenko was the right move, regardless of what was going on with Kane. Like he Tarasenko fits in perfectly on that line he's exactly what um or fits in perfectly in that top six he is a shooter that that's something that this team has been you know haunted by or dogged by for for years that you know maybe they overpass they they play a little pretty this guy shoots the puck he's shown it so far and now he's showing a lot of chemistry with Mika Zibanejad the the thing with Kane is that he only was going to come here so to me, once that became the option, of course, you know, you go get him. Now, I guess you can make the argument, do they need some depth on the fourth line? Now everybody's kind of slotted in there. We, we've talked about it. That fourth line is starting to look good. To me, yeah, 
Tarasenko, absolutely, you'd want him in, in either case. And I think if you could have honestly only gotten one of them, I think Tarasenko was was the right move to do. And then once Kane becomes available, of course, you go out and get him. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit, I think, the week or two before um, the, the deal actually was in place. Yeah. You, you know, you're you're struggling a little bit with, with um, Trocek and VZ being in the top six. They're scoring below their expected goals for. I would much mm-hmm. rather... And you've seen it. You'd much rather have Patrick Kane with the puck on his stick. He he's going to be able to to be an upgrade over Jimmy Vesey. No disrespect to him, but he was playing out of his role. And so when you can add Kane later on, you do it. To me, either way, Vladimir Tarasenko was the was the right addition at the right time. Steve, what uh, what Chris said? <laughs> <laughs> what a cop no. out! No, no, no. Yeah, I'll say this. This is the one thing I can say. Six forwards go down the line. Kreider, Zabanejad, Tarasenko, Panarin, Trocek, Kane. Are any of those top six not top six forwards in the NHL on a cup contender? Can you say that? They're all. They're all. So if you take anybody from the bottom six and slot them in there, can you still say that? I got to say no. Like, I'm sorry. This top six is top six. And it's nothing against the... The kid line, um, they're just not all there yet. You know, they're just not there yet. They're not they're not fully matured as players yet. They're going to be great, but I don't want them going against the top guys. I don't want them going against Tampa Bay's number one line. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. So, no, these – I said this last week. These top two lines are going to saw off in the playoffs. They're going to score as much as any other top two lines in the East when they go head-to-head. And it'll be great to see after the series is over. I'm hoping the Rangers win. And you're able to say, look at that. The top six for the Rangers outscored the, you know, I'm making this up, but Bruins top six in the Eastern Conference final. You know, wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, the, the number three line outplayed their number three line. You know, like that's that's going to have to happen if they're going to go on. And that's just the way it is. But yes, you're set up to accomplish that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I... I would have made maybe some tweaks to that to the kind of progression of making these trades. Um, you know, I don't. I, I feel like the Tarasenko trade was made with the thought that like we're gonna this is our headline addition, and maybe if you knew in the back of your mind that Kane was was at that point a really strong option, which I'm not completely convinced that everybody anybody on either side, Chicago or here, thought that that was still going to be a possibility until they really started to dig in on it and Kane clearly made his preference felt. Um, so you can't, you know, it's, this is, this is, you know, rear view mirror type stuff and and we all sound brilliant, but um, I might've structured that St. Louis deal a little bit differently. Um, if I was the GM just to sort of say like, yeah, well we want this guy, but we've got other options and maybe not, not go all in with the first round pick. Maybe you don't get Mikula. Maybe you get somebody different. Um but yeah, I think the the biggest thing that's happened, and even if we haven't seen perfect chemistry between the guys that Tarasenko is playing with and the guys that Kane is playing with, and it's going to take some time, you still have now the best third and fourth lines the Rangers have had in a long time, especially that fourth line. And that you know you can you can look at any team that's won a Stanley Cup. Certainly, Tampa uh, spent big to maintain their bottom six year after year because they knew how important it was. And St. Louis was a team that was filled with third and f- good third and fourth line guys when they won. Washington had 
you know, career years from guys like Devontae Smith Pelly and veterans who hadn't really won. You can go on and on and on. Even Colorado added a lot, you know, the, the Andrew Cogliano and Darren Helm and guys like that. You you have to have those guys and you can't have them playing in the top six. You can't have them playing the hive paced skill. You know, you you, you Jimmy Vesey has been a fantastic find for for the amount of money that that they're paying him. And it was a great idea to, to extend him uh, for close to the league minimum. And I'm sure he's feeling a little bit, you know, like, oh, my top six minutes are gone. But I think there were some nights where you saw plays being made with him on a line, whether it was the top line or the second line, where you're like, if a, a better finisher finishes those plays, and it's no disrespect to He would to still Beast. be there. No, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like, it's results-based, right, Arthur? He'd yeah, still be yeah. there if that was the case, right? Exactly. It's just the way it is. Exactly. And he is an effective guy in what he's doing now, penalty-killing, fourth line, playing physical. I think it allows players like him and players like Goodrow to do what they do best. And I think that is probably... As it, you want to see incredible results and incredible plays from Tarasenko and Kane. But more importantly, this is 1 through 12, the best Ranger forward group that they've had in a long time. Long time. I mean, probably going Are back. Are you willing before. to say ever? Are you willing to say <laughs> ever? Not including 94. Not including I, Yeah, I, wanna not say, I, I would say after all the trades they made in 94, it was probably deeper then. But, okay. um, you know, that's but pre But not including 94, tell me a better lineup, right? Salary cap era, yes, this is the deepest Ranger forward group you've ever seen, and that is the most positive impact I think that these two trades had. So amazingly, skill skill adapts, man. Like these guys will figure <laughs> it out. It's skill adapts. I, I'm look. You just said it. Though that top six is all top six, and they're going to find a way. They just have to find their own rhythm, and I'm certain they will. It's just you got to be a little bit patient here. It's hard, but what was it? It was uh, third. So we're only two weeks away from what the trade deadline was. So, you know, breathe some fresh air and give it some <laughs> give it some time. Seriously. Yeah, that's the thing. I totally agree with you, too. That That's the thing. Like, it hasn't been that long. I think people are acting like the sky is falling or something. It's like they're still winning. They're getting points. It's just just it doesn't look perfect every night. I, I don't really understand what the, you know, what the expectation is as they're heading towards the playoffs. It's like, just let them get comfortable. You know? I think the expectation is was set last year when they brought in four guys, different level of play, like I wrote in my story today. They were, whatever, 11-2-1 after they yeah. lost that first game to Jersey. Yeah. So, oh, uh, wow. yeah. so, but but that, like, I, you know, Jacob Truba kind of said it, you know, you, you're reading off these guys. Mm-hmm. You're studying them, basically, because they're so unique. Whereas Andrew Kopp, Frank Ritchano a little bit less of a cop and Mott, they're dumping in and go fight for it type guys. You don't right. really have to. Right. You don't really have Those to guys aren't hard to read off. Yeah. No, not hard to not, read off. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. They're predictable so, for you and for everybody else too. That's the problem. Look at that unanimous decision. So we're all we're all the smartest GMs in the world. I appreciate uh, the in, the input. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Happy to be back. And thank Thanks, you, Steve, Chris. as always. You're welcome, Arthur. Thanks for having me again, buddy, as your co-host. Loving it. Um, we're going to, what do we have, five weeks left. I know. Let's get her it's, going. Jeez. It's pretty crazy. And thanks, everybody out there, for listening to the Garden Faithful. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Rangers Penguins two times this week, so we'll be talking about a lot of interesting stuff next time. Thanks a lot, everybody.